Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today's interview is a reshare of a good friend of mine's podcast, Shots to the Dome. That good friend's name is Sean McDevitt, and he just recently interviewed me on really all things personal development, and by the end of it, uh, we had a about an hour and a half long conversation if you include what we didn't record. Um, and by the end of it, I was like, man, I would love it if I could share this with my listeners. I think they would get so much value out of this. And of course he said, okay. So it aired on his podcast yesterday, which I will link in the description. So you can go check out his Instagram and go check out his podcast shots to the dome where they have a lot of great guests as well. Um, a lot of colleagues of mine too. A lot of people I'm really good friends with have been on that podcast and they give a ton of good information out and it's kind of all things, personal development, very similar to the boom, boom performance podcast. So highly encourage you guys to go check that out. Um, but before you do listen to today's episode with Sean, he interviewed me on all things personal development. We are going to talk about my rules for life, which I have recorded on here before, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper into those now that I've had time to sit on them and really coach them to other people. We're also going to dive into my day-to-day life, how I approach my day-to-day actions, how I approach being methodical with every action I take, so on and so forth. So you're going to get a ton of practical and applicable information when it comes to personal development and probably productivity and business with this podcast. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen. Once again, check out Sean's podcast. The link will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed the show, do me a huge favor, take a screenshot of it. Post it on your Instagram story, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom and tag Sean at Fitness Shaman, which is three S's in that name. I'll link both of those in the description as well. Uh, We want to thank you for listening. We want to share it on our story as well. So without any further ado, let's get on to my interview on Shots to the Dome. What's up, party people? And welcome back to an episode of Shots to the Dome. I'm very excited to present today's guest to you. He is becoming a close friend, which is super cool to me. And he is the founder of the Taylor Coaching Method, previously Boom Boom Performance. We have Cody McBroom on the show. What's up, Cody? Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And, and I got to say, like, I, I thought about this way before you even asked me, to be honest with you. I love the name Shots to the Dome. I absolutely love that name. I think it's perfect for a podcast. Thank you. That means a lot. It was funny because our mutual friends, Jordan and Aaron, they were the cosign at the event where you and I met in December. Um, mm-hmm. We were all staying in an Airbnb and Jordan and Aaron came over one night because we were staying with, jo- uh, well, now Jordan's sister-in-law, but Megan's, uh, Aaron's younger sister, Megan. And we were talking about this podcast we wanted to start. And Dayla and I had talked about naming it Shots of the Dome because we wanted it to just be these little like downloadable nuggets to the brain with something that we were able to teach others with. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it fits perfectly with it. If you don't know, if you're listening, and you don't know who Cody is, you need to get up on game. This man has been doing fitness and health coaching for a very long time. You started in person, right? Yep. Started in person when I was 18. And, and that was born out of you wanting to get fit and going on your own fitness journey, right? Yeah. I, uh, I actually <laughs> literally never stepped foot in a gym until just months before I decided to change my degree and go into this, like it it was just, I always played soccer. So I like was healthy, but still kind of chubby. And then in high school, I had two years in a row of back-to-back knee injuries during soccer. And that just, I mean, you're on crutches as a kid who doesn't train and parties all the time, weight just (laughs) stacks on, you know? So after high school, I went to community college uh, just for business because my dad was just basically like, Hey, I'm going to pay for college, go study business. You can be uh, in the oil industry, just like me. People always need oil. You'll be set. You can, you can talk well, you'll be a salesman. I was like, all right, man, I guess I, I really can't like say that's a bad idea because I don't have any other plans. And uh, so I went there and then I was just kind of fed up, man. I was just like, I need to change. I'm overweight. I'm not happy. I have no energy. I can't do a chin up to save my life. Like I, I got to <laughs> do something about this. And I just went full force, man. I jumped all the way in and yeah, changed my my career changed my degree just it was a crazy ride after that 
it's really funny because every time I talk to you, there's like more and more similarities. I know when Dale and I were on the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, we talked about you and I both sharing Irish heritage. And it's funny because when I was growing up, my main thing was swimming. I was fortunate enough to be at a point where the Olympics weren't out of my reach. But when I hit that my junior year of college and didn't make the Olympics, it was like, what am I going to do now? And my dad was like, well, you can talk to people. You can be a salesperson, like just finish your degree and get a sales job and be just fine. Um, playing soccer, do you get to Sounders games? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously not right now, just because of everything going on. But um, before my brother moved to Texas, which he's only been down there since this year, um, that was kind of like our thing. We'd always be buying each other tickets and going. I have like six scarves and all that shit. <laughs> Dude, that's dope. My first internship um, when I was in grad school at Oregon was for the LA Galaxy. And I was, oh, selling, nice. I was selling tickets. Yeah, it was tons of fun. Also, if you're listening, you hear Cody talking about he was trying to better himself. And now this man has gone on to found a company, hire more coaches, and basically do what Dale and I have done, but to the nth degree. And I always love sharing those stories, Cody, because it seems more approachable. And like you and I were joking about this before hitting record, how... I get a peek behind the curtain sometimes and it's rather like calming or welcoming to me to see like you're still just throwing stuff together, like seeing what works. And that's what I really try to point out with each episode of Shots to the Dome is that if you are striving for certain goals in your life, whether you're trying to be a coach, whether you're trying to be an entrepreneur in something outside of health and fitness, just start, get going, get that momentum. Like you can do it too. And Cody is an example of that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I think anybody who tells you that they have every, like they got it all together, they got it all figured out is completely full of shit because part of personal growth, part of building a business, part of building your body even is it's chasing the unicorn, right? You just kind of keep going and searching for it. You're never going to find it um, unless you take some hallucinogenics like we talked about <laughs> earlier. But at the end of the day, you're going to keep searching and searching for that unicorn and it's a never ending journey. So it's constant development. You know, I get questions. I got a question on Instagram the other day when I did a Q&A. And they were like, uh, it was something along the lines of like, how did you, how did you get to where you're at? And like, like, how did you make it? You know? And I was just like, I'm not, I haven't made anything like it's, I'm not even remotely close to making it and I'm still figuring out. And, and I always try to preface this too, because people will be like, man, you have like, you know, this great relationship with your wife, your beautiful daughter and your business and all this stuff. Like, how do you do that? And I'm like, look, I'm trying to figure it out too. Like it's, it's hectic. It's busy. Like we're not perfect all the time. You know, um, Instagram's the highlight reel and I'll yeah. be honest, about that, but at the end of the day too, I'm not going to post negative shit on there. Cause that doesn't serve you. You know, my job is to serve you and give, but, um, but no, man, I think it's a, it's a constant journey and, and it's always figuring shit out and it's always creating, you know, like something I learned recently was actually from John Romanello, who we were talking about earlier is like where my inspiration comes from. And so throughout growth of a business, you get to points in time where you actually don't want to change anything or, or implement anything. Cause you're like, it's working, like just leave it. But the problem with most entrepreneurs is that's boring, right? Like the, the process of being an entrepreneur, the, the creation, the development at the beginning stages, that's the exciting stuff, right? So there's a lot of, it's like the cyclical thing that some entrepreneurs do where they, they build a business, they burn it down because they get bored, then they rebuild a new business and get that excitement and that film it again, get bored, depressed, burn it down. And it's like this thing. So the conversation with me and John was like, how do we avoid that before you get too bored? You know, and it's not that I don't love what I do, but it's that I need creativity in order to feel inspired, which is what we came to the conclusion of. So for me, it's like, one of my biggest passions now is how do I develop new things in the business for my coaches to do more of make more money, be better, serve more and grow themselves. And then I'm just kind of this visionary who's like, I have an idea, bring you in, let's build it. All right, you run it. Now I'm going to go to the next coach and help them provide a new thing. Um, and that's been super fulfilling, man. I mean, I even, <laughs> by the end of the call, he got me to literally order <laughs> and come in commit to guitar lessons because it was like you need to find a creative outlet so I literally bought a guitar and bought lessons and all that shit like while we were sitting on the on the call decided what songs I was going to learn first but it's it's been super rewarding man and it, and it really just it, once I kind of had that thing click uh with with creativity actually leading to inspiration for me and, and I think that's relative to most entrepreneurs um man, it just helps so much. It helped me grow. It helped me like start thinking different. And it just helped my mood, man, my stress, my anxiety, my positivity, everything. 
Yeah, you're totally right. It reminds me of my dad. He was a serial entrepreneur. And so he was like always looking for sort of the next thing. And he was the guy to get the business to a certain point and then blow it up or sell it and then start over. And it gets addicting. And that's something that I had to be reminded of because I was actually doing another podcast uh, earlier in the week. And it's a friend here in Austin. And he asked, basically, when we finished, he was like, so do you just have check-ins the rest of the day? And I listed off every single thing I was doing. And he was just like, bro, you blew my mind. Like, I didn't know you're doing everything. And I'm sitting here being like, man, I don't feel like I'm doing much. Like, I have these new initiatives that are literally next to me on a post-it that I haven't been able to get to that excite me that I want to go down the road. But it's like, I still have all these amazing things that are super cool which is kind of like what you're saying with that question you got on Instagram from a follower being like, you know, what's it like to make it? And this is always, and I, I date myself, but Kid Rock, when he was nominated for Best New Artist at the Grammys, he was like, well, this is my seventh album, but like appreciate it. Meaning he's been like working at it, working at it, working at it until finally sort of hitting gold in that way. Um, also, I would argue that skateboarding is rather creative. So like, I know that's a bit of a creative outlet for you. Um, this is me getting like kind of woo woo, but what is your, you know, I know you've thought about it, like, what is your purpose? Like what drives you? Yeah, man. I think like, um, in skateboarding it absolutely is. It's just that it rains so much in Washington that it's true. It's not a reliable <laughs> creativity outlet, but, and you know what the cool thing is, and then I'll get to your question. Cause I think it's a good question is, uh, my daughter fucking loves skateboarding now, dude. Like every time she comes in the gym, she literally runs over there and she goes skateboard, skateboard. Yeah. And like, I put her on it and I'm pushing her. It's so cool, man. Um, but I had a, a realization actually pretty recently, um, definitely this year, but, and I think a lot of people can relate to this where like quarantine hit and it gave everybody a lot of time to reflect, right? Like I think my, my minutes of meditation went up, my hours of journaling went up, my reading went up, my listening to audiobooks and walks through the woods and shit. Cause we have all these trails out here went up. So I started really, really reflecting and I kind of, I realized that there's, there's really two purposes in life and, it, or, I mean, there's, there's a, a reason why, and then there's a purpose and they're two different things. And I think people get that mistaken because people will say like, in my situation, you know, my purpose is my daughter. That's not my purpose. That's my why, right? That fuels what I do. Totally. But my purpose on earth isn't to be a dad, right? It created a why, like my, my passion, my why, why I do everything I do is to, because I'm creating a family and there's nothing, there's no feeling like creating a family with somebody that you love. So that's definitely my why, but my purpose has kind of changed over the years. And I think, you know, once upon a time I would have said like, Oh, my purpose is to help people lose weight, you know, cause that's, that's what changed my life. And then eventually I probably would have said like, my purpose is to change people's life through movement because I was a trainer and I, and I didn't care if you lost 20 pounds or if, or if you built muscle or anything, I just wanted you to move because I knew what that did for people. Um, and then eventually I would have said like my purpose is something else with fitness. But I think now, to be honest with you, the more I realize, like, or more, the more I've done, I realize that it's, it's a tie between leading and giving. And I think they kind of go together, but I don't just love writing good training programs for people. I love doing things that make people better human beings. So one of my like biggest passions is personal development. Um, which I'm actually excited about. I have a company paying me to come in and speak on this. So I'm super stoked to talk because nobody's ever hired me to talk about this. But um, how can we make you better? Like, I, and when I say better, I always think of like, you know, the purpose in life is expansion to me. You have this vessel that you were in to get you from point A to point B until you're on to the next dimension. And essentially, you have to make that vessel the best vessel possible. So that means how can you be the most physically fit and healthy from a stress, hormone, nutrition, training, muscular, all that perspective? Um, your, your being, which would be your spirituality, your emotional well-being, your mental capacity, your confidence, how can you make that the best possible? Your relationships, your business, like there's all these avenues in life and it's, it's really about expanding all of them. So I think for me, like I've always kind of, felt like that's my purpose because I'm the, I'm the coach that takes the conversation way beyond macros as soon as I can, because I know what's really going to help somebody change. Um, and that's, I mean, this year, especially since the team has expanded so much, my number one priority has been studying leadership and personal growth because I know that's my main role now is, is being a leader. I really appreciate that. And it really sort of um, clarified things for me as well. Because for me, I agree with you, there's a thread or an artery in my life that's to help people. Like even when I was so growing up, I grew up in Los Angeles. So we had a ton of skaters. I never got into it because I was swimming and I was also playing basketball. My dad was like, if you fall, you're going to break something and now you're out. You can't play your sport. But I was around it a lot. 
And so um, as I was playing basketball or, or have friends who were skating, if they hurt themselves, I, I was the guy who had the first aid kit in my backpack. So I'd be like, hey, let me patch you up, clean it. Now you can get back out and play. And then through swimming, I became a lifeguard. That's sort of the easy go-to job for swimmers. And that's obviously to help people. And I just kept doing it and doing it. But I would have corporate jobs and I would tweak it and be like, oh, well, I work for an affiliate marketing company. And I help people save money. So I'm still helping people. And now I get to do that to the nth degree with what we do now. And it really is making people better. Like I would say, I think you and I are saying the same thing, but it's like that expansion to me is achievement. Humans want to achieve and we get value out of achieving. And when we're not, that's when we feel stagnant. That's when we might feel down. That's when we might feel depressed versus, and I know you'd preach this to your clients as well, taking that first step and using that first step as momentum. And then you keep going, keep going, keep going. So I appreciate that because I get more insight into what makes you tick. Um, also vibe with you on the family front because we just got a puppy. And that's like our, you know, now it's like, oh, this cute little family. Yeah. And I can sort of sense the kids coming. And then um, because you touched on it, something that really helped me during quarantine uh, was a psychedelic trip. And it was a solo one. I would not recommend for anybody who hasn't done psychedelics to do it alone for their first time, but I had done it enough and I was hitting emotional walls and having some breakdowns. And I was like, man, I just need to figure out my shit, like for me and my wife and for our team. And so I, you know, just took what I needed to take. I had headphones in like AirPods. Dayla was nice enough to light some incense and I just sort of like kicked it on our carpet and I had my phone and I was taking notes of things that were coming up and she was sort of my hand in reality. She was working and like did a workout, you know, in our kitchen. But it was so helpful because, and she even told me, she was like, I would be, she was like, I'll support you doing this more because for the next two weeks, I was just like, yo, I got it. I got the answer. And so that to me is aligning with what you're talking about as far as going deeper, like going inward. Like you said, your minutes of meditation went up, journaling went up, the self-care went up. And that's something if you're listening that we all need to do. And that also segues nicely into what we wanted to talk about today, which is Cody's seven rules for life. And just to preface this, when Cody and I talked about being on each other's podcast and you were nice enough to have me and Dela, we had scheduled this a long time out. And I was like, you know what? I really look up to Cody. He's been an amazing individual. He's a business leader, you know, in his community, et cetera, et cetera. So he must have these like core values or something like journaling or meditating or gratitude or family that we can point to that anybody can pick up whether they're entrepreneurs or they're in relationships or they're working for the man. And so um, before diving into these, what sort of gate, what was the catalyst for this? Because Cody did a podcast between when we scheduled and now where he did these seven rules. So how did that come about? You know, I think it's a, I've always been the same way as you with what you just said, although I haven't done psychedelics to, to figure this out. Um, I've, I've been studying them a lot because as, as you know, like it's just a very fascinating topic and there's a lot of anecdotal research. I won't, it's not like studies, but like people doing things. And there actually is some studies of microdosing now where it's, it's cool. But I think ultimately what the reason it fascinates me is because it's taking you to a place where you can have even deeper introspection. And I think that's really where this came from. And that's where I think most people fail to break through to new levels of their life or break through to new expansions of their life is because they don't dig deep enough internally. There's, there's so much more to you than you let out in most cases. Um, and usually you need to be very vulnerable, open and, and seek out somebody else to bring that out of you. Cause I know for me, like the first time I really started getting into personal development, started meditating, started journaling, started really like searching inside of me. I had to sit in front of another man calling me out and telling me to go through these practices, you know, and I was with a group of guys and I was in, uh, I was in a remote area of San Diego that we had no phones. Like it was like four days, like it was very, very strategic to get us to think inside. So I think for me, that's, I mean, to me, that's literally the answer to, to growth is, is being able to dig inside. And if you need somebody else to help you do that, then find a mentor, find a coach, find a spiritual guy to read a book, do something that kind of triggers you to do that. Um, so for me, that's kind of where these rules of life came from. And then I think, you know, there was, there was definitely an influence from Jordan Peterson. He had his 12 rules for life. And then also Craig Ballantyne has his rules for life um, that aren't as well known as Jordan Peterson, obviously, but uh, Craig Ballantyne, somebody I've always looked up to and, and have known over the years. And his are more like, this is like, I go to sleep at this time every single day because I need enough sleep to be productive, like very, very strategic rules, right? Um, actions, so to speak. Uh, Jordan is more like philosophy, right? And it's, it's ways to be. It's like, it's, it's the type of characteristics that we want to achieve. So I kind of 
put them together. And I was like, well, what are, what are like, what, what matters to me? And I came up with seven things and it was just like, these seven things are what ultimately they're, they're what dictate my actions or how I live my life. Um, and I honestly got to give credit where credit's due. Somebody asked me specifically in a question on Instagram, what are your rules for life? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to record a podcast about that. (laughs) And so this, this came out of it. I remember that questions box too. And I was really happy that you were going to do an episode because I was like, oh, this is perfect. But um, are you familiar with the hero's journey? I'm sure you are. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So something that we've talked about on the podcast before, if you're unfamiliar, definitely check it out. Give Joseph Campbell a Google. But what Cody's talking about aligns with that as far as finding a mentor, finding a guide. If you're unfamiliar with the hero's journey, it's every favorite movie, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. And there's always the same cast of characters. So you can put like Obi-Wan along with um, uh, Dumbledore or um, Gandalf. And so those are really consistent. Definitely recommend that you guys check them out. So diving right into the first rule, it's eat and move like a, and in parentheses, pro athlete. And I imagine part of that was born out of, or the genesis was training, health, fitness, but sort of what inspired you to make that the first rule? I think it's, it's mainly just because I think, so I've always, I, I used to have this like slogan. I actually had it on the back of my shirts before I even like, like this is years ago. And it said, your body is the fastest path to power. And I define power as expansion. I mean, what we're talking about power to me is like, if I'm in power, I'm clear, I'm productive, I'm confident. I have energy. I am focusing on all areas of my life. Like I'm, I'm doing the work across the board that's true power to me into in this this idea of your body is the fast path power came from me training people and then them coming to me and be like man i just got a raise hey dude i just got a like i just picked up a new girlfriend like we've been dating like thank you so much for helping me get in shape and getting confident like all these things that were outside of the gym started like trickling in for people and it made me realize like fitness makes your life better because when you are physically fit you are more confident you're more clear and you don't need to be shredded to be this way it's just it's internally and externally being fit and healthy right so to me, eating and moving like a pro athlete is kind of the extreme version of that. It's like the ultimate per, like athlete, is that's the ultimate epitome of physical health. Now, obviously, there's some sports that take it too far and they're unhealthy and we can have that debate. But um, I think the, the point is, is in general, if you are training and eating like an athlete and fueling your body, I think that it's, it's going to lead to success, positivity, growth in other areas of your life as well outside of just training like yeah you're going to be able to bench more but at the end of the day like you're also going to have a better relationship you're going to have more confidence you're going to probably reflect more because you maybe you got a work workout book right and you started logging your workouts and now you're like curious about journaling and you go a little bit deeper and um so on and so forth so to me it's it's one of those ones that i think it's obvious but it it always comes first because it kind of leads you into all those other things What I love about this first rule, Cody, is it sets everything up for the rest of life. Because if you're treating your body really well and you are prioritizing your health, you're going to be able to do everything else. Your career is going to be great. You're going to be great in your relationships. We already know that there is a big connection between the gut and the brain. And so what we're eating and actually eating less processed bullshit, more whole foods, more real foods, it's going to have a positive correlation with our mind. Now all of a sudden we're more positive. We can have that movement aspect. Something that I loved about this in your podcast was you were like, Hey, you can either treat your body like a, and I'm just like you, I'm not a huge car guy, but like a Ferrari or a Lambo, or you can treat it like a 1969 Pinto. And I fucking know what that looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not, not the best looking car. And I would much rather look like, or treat my body like a Ferrari. And, and I think, you know, that's exactly why it's first is what you said is, is it kind of makes the rest of life easier, you know, and, and going back to something I said earlier is like, I don't know why I always look at it this way. But and honestly, it probably is because I am somewhat of a car guy. My dad grew up in that industry. So he's always had cool cars and stuff. But this is our vehicle, right? We're in our vehicle for life. And like, how do we soup up that vehicle? the best way like yeah we can work on our brain stuff but the number one way is the exterior right we have to get fit and healthy because that's what's going to allow us to get through life better um and and people only get it once they go through it you know like people who have have really committed to fitness will tell you like it's changed their life the way they operate Um, i mean there's even research with endorphins and hormones that it does lead to more positivity less anxiety less stress less depression um, actually they recommend there's, there's some research that shows like moving in the morning, which is something I try to put in my morning routine, even if it's like 
10 burpees, push-ups, going on a fast walk first thing in the morning, anything I can, that movement does spark creativity and it sparks your brain to work a little bit faster um, early in the day. So I think, I mean, there's just so many reasons to, to abide by that rule. Totally. And you're completely right, Cody. It's something that you don't really realize once you're there. Like I've had the benefit of being a competitive swimmer early in my life and I've always sort of like been fit. But so many of our clients, I'm sure like your clients as well, all of a sudden they start to do those things that seem so simple and everybody tells us are the keys to life. Like, hey, drink more water, get more sleep, eat healthy, get some movement. And all of a sudden they start doing that. And yes, the pounds do come down. But I think I would argue, well, I would argue, and I think you'd probably agree that sometimes the mental benefits or the mental transformation is so much greater than the physical. Um, as far as the second rule, because the first rule is a great one that starts everything and like pushes everything forward. The second rule you have is wake up first. And in my experience, in my opinion, not only eating and moving like a pro athlete, but waking up first really sets the tone for the rest of the day. I was a swimmer having to get up at like 4.30, 5am and jump in a cold pool. So I've always been the first one up. And I noticed back then I would tell myself I have two options. I can either sleep or I can train. Everything else is closed. None of my friends are up. And so I can probably get more sleep tonight. So let me train. But how did you get there? You know, it, it, to be completely transparent, I think it started with that whole stereotypical like 5 a.m. thing, you know, like all successful 5 club. get up at 5 a.m. Yeah. And it's like, and to, to today, like I'm like, honestly, it's not about getting up at five. It's about what you do in the morning. So like if, if you are a single person that lives at home, then sleep until fucking eight, but do those same things that the, the successful entrepreneur does in the morning. But for me, the whole purpose is stillness and quiet, man. Like it's one of those things where, you know, when I started, like started building the online business, I had to train people in the afternoon. So I knew like I had to get up really early to get as much as I can done. Cause I'm trying to build a business outside of the gym so that I can leave the gym and start my own company someday. And that meant I had to wake up at five. I was like, I have to get up at five and I have to get as much content done, as much client work done, as much programming done as I can before noon, because that's when I'm going to lift, eat, and then head to the gym to train people all evening. Um, because as a personal trainer, you work at nights because people are at work all day, you know, so they come and train with you in the, in the evening. But um, it started then and I just started noticing, you know, like it, as my life progressed, I noticed it more and more because um, eventually me and Shannon moved in together and then we got married and then now we have a baby. And so like for me, if I wake up early, there's no noise. There's no distractions. Right. There's nobody bugging you. I can decide what happens, what my environment is like. And it just, it allows you to just be more productive, man. It allows you to create clarity. So there's, there's two aspects of it for me. One is the very early morning and that's just all about me. I don't check notifications. I don't do work. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm usually reading something like, like right now I'm reading a book called, uh, I think it's called King, Warrior, Lover, Magician. And it's basically about masculinity and, and men, but very personal development driven, right? Wake up, go through this like journal practice I have, read that, maybe meditate, maybe go on a walk, drink my green drink, have some coffee. Like it's just all about me. And then I usually get into the office as soon as I can. And it's still no notifications, no emails, no texts, no nothing until like 10 a.m. Like that's my thing. It's like I'm not going to check a damn thing until 10 a.m. Because now I can get so much productive, deep work done, like writing f copy for funnels or email newsletters or autoresponders or a product we're creating or programming, whatever it may be, um, changes to the website, like all this stuff on the back end that nobody really sees that takes a lot of concentration. I'm going to be 10 times better at that if I'm up early and I'm doing it before I do anything else. Like I check any other notifications or have anybody else's stress or concerns placed on me, which will, as somebody who is a giver and a uh, yes man and a people pleaser, naturally, uh, most coaches are, as soon as I get those concerns or worries or questions from other people, that becomes my main focus because I'm here to serve, kind of like what we talked about earlier. So if I want to avoid that distraction, I literally have to keep my phone on do not disturb, not check it, and get right to the grind. How long did that take you to get to that like 10 a.m. you don't touch notifications and stuff? Because I know how many messages I get. So I can only imagine how many messages you get. And sometimes it is really challenging to just push that off for a while. And like you said, do your own thing, not respond and not be as reactive. So were you, <laughs> were you able to do that? Like right off the bat, you're like 10 AM, I'm gonna stop. And that's when I'm gonna get to messages. Or <laughs> no, I think I got burn. that advice from somebody like, like years ago, and I didn't do it. And, you know, I think there, there was a point in time where I was like, fuck that, I'm gonna respond ASAP, because I'm trying to make a name for myself. And I want to, you know what I mean? And I think there is some value in that, you know, 
I get, I had a question when I was speaking at, um, uh, in San Diego at the impact collective and somebody was like, well, how do I like, you know, cut my hours down, do this, do this. I'm like, how long are you on your business? And it was like a year. I'm like, you don't like you're in the dirt phase, dude, like grind, like talk to me in three years. And then we could talk about that. So I definitely think there's value in, in kind of eating shit for lack of better terms for a while, you know, but I think at a certain point I just, uh, and what allowed me to really do it was I just, I, I ultimately, I just communicated. So to my clients, I was like, Hey, just so you know, I do not respond in these windows. And it's not because I don't want to talk to you. It's because I'm trying to get as much deep work as I can done to make this company better, this team better and your experience better. Right. So, um, and nobody ever got pissed. Nobody was like, man, that's fucked up or like mad or, um, like followers on Instagram, like nobody gave a shit if I responded in five minutes or in five hours. Like if I respond, that's all they care about, you know? So for me, it just took like almost getting that like mental confirmation from them saying like, that's okay. We understand you're human too. And then I was like, man, I just, my phone literally doesn't go off. Do not disturb. It stays on that 24 right. seven. So I have to check it in order to like engage with something. Right. Which I think is a huge hack. Dale and I do the same thing. It's always on D and D. And if we're waiting on a call, it's like, okay, I'm going to have to turn it off for a sec or like put that person in my favorites for the day because I'm waiting for that call back. I really like Cody, how you're talking about taking care of yourself before taking care of others, because we preach here at deal the nation. We have to fill our own cups before we can help out other people. We have to make sure we're hundred percent before we can be hundred percent for other people. And you have so many other people, not only your clients, but the people you work with who are, you know, basically waiting on you. And so if you are less than, you're not going to be able to show up for them. I also like how you touched on just asking the question, because that's something in my life too. I actually did this really recently because um, I still have a, a, you know, I don't know, I have 40 plus clients. So like it's a good amount. And with Deal Donation growing, Dayla and I are now in that, okay, we need to manage more phase. And I was, we have a 24 hour response policy. So if you're a client, you're going to get here back within 24 hours. And me personally, I was finding that I was really just like right at that. And, I, and it was really hard to maintain. And it's not like I'm not going to get back to somebody. I'm still going to get back that next day. But instead of stressing about it, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get ahead of this and ask those clients to be like, hey, look, my um, responsibilities are expanding, as you can imagine, on this team. So I still want to have you as a client. However, I might not be able to get back to you within 24 hours. It might be 26. It might be 30. Y'all know me. I'm still going to get back to you. If that's an issue, I'm happy to transition you to another coach. It's all good. You know, we, we train our coaches. We know they're great. But if you want to stay with me, that's, that's the deal. And it's up to you. And every single person, like what you're saying, Cody, is like, oh, I got your back, bro. Like, totally understand. I know you're going to get back to me. And so if you're listening, a lot of times it's just asking that question, having that conversation that you might think is uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, we're all human. People sort of get it. Something else that goes along lines with waking up first that you kind of touched on, Cody, was reflect and declare daily. I'm going to let you kind of go into what that means to you because those are only four words, but a lot to unpack. Love that, man. Um, real quick point on what you just said uh, for all the coaches listening. I mentor some coaches and when I have this conversation with them because they have that sense of guilt when they don't respond quick enough. I would say like, hey, do you get mad at me when it takes me 10 hours to respond to your text? They're like, no, man, I totally get it. You're busy. I'm like, so what do you think your client thinks? They're like, ah, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're putting that pressure on yourself for absolutely no reason. Um, but reflect and declare daily. Uh, it, it came from a couple of things. Uh, number one, something I took away from Wake Up Warrior years ago was discover and declare. And their whole concept is, what are you discovering today? Which is basically like, I'm going to learn something new. And then declaring is doing something with it. So it's, writing a newsletter on it. It's using the marketing principle you, you, you took away for Instagram or for Facebook ads or for funnels or whatever. It's t applying the training program design or the nutrition hack or teaching somebody something. It's, it's just doing something with what you're taking in because as we know, teaching is the best way to ingrain knowledge. Um, and the reason I changed it to reflect is because although I do agree that we should study basically every day something, like it's a passion of mine, like what am I gonna learn or expand upon today, every day? Um, I think reflection has always led me to the biggest periods of growth in my life. So the whole point of this is like reflecting is really journaling, right? It's, and you can reflect in meditation, but I do recommend people journal after they have those insights. So it's just written in stone, you know, it's, it's or on paper and it's uh, ingrained in your head. Um, and then declaring is, is doing something because of it, right? So if, if for me, every morning I wake up and I write, uh, my gratitude, I write like my, uh, 
non-negotiables today, like what has to get done. I write my intentions. Like I will be an effective communicator. I will be a, a present father, like whatever I need to write about. Um, and then usually I just list out my schedule and then I'll have some kind of like reflection period of the day before. Right. And at night I usually try to revisit my journal and reflect again on the day. So like I have like an AM and a PM side of my journal essentially. And it's always like, whether you succeeded or failed, looking back is the best way to learn. Now, I always tell people you should constantly look forward because you want to keep growing. You don't want to get hung up in the past because we know if you get hung up in the past, you can become depressed, right? But if you, if you get too caught in the future, you get anxiety. So it's kind of this balance, this yin and yang. I have to take what I already did in the past and accept it judgment free judgment against myself free and create insight off of it right what is the lesson i learned from that how do i apply that lesson to everything else in my life so reflect and declare is kind of like i used to call it positive focus but it's like all right what happened what's the situation the situation is that sean and i had a podcast okay why is it positive well it's positive because we talked for 30 minutes about psychedelics and cool things before the podcast and just got to connect as friends before we even recording and we're also going to be able to create value for people right okay cool what's the lesson you learned the lesson I learned is networking is really fucking important, you know, and right. I have to connect with other individuals. Human interaction is really valuable to me. Okay. How do I apply that to the areas of my life? My, like the areas I talked about earlier, my body, my, myself, spiritually, emotionally, uh, confidence wise, uh, mental clarity, my business, my relationship. And I take that lesson, not, not what was positive, but the lesson and I implement into these other areas. Right. And that is ultimately reflect and declare. I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on something I've already done, good or bad. And I recommend people always choose the bad if you can. Don't always choose the good. You should reflect on the good because you need to celebrate when good things happen or else I would say like if you don't stop and smell the roses, you'll stop having roses to smell right? because <laughs> if you don't like sit there and appreciate, you're not going to be able to keep winning and appreciating more. But at the same time, if you neglect all the bad shit that happened to you, you'll never learn and be able to avoid it in the future. So you get in a car accident today, a client fires you, somebody, somebody screws you over, like write about it, journal about that, reflect on that, find the positive and the lesson inside it as hard as it is, because that's what's going to lead to growth and do that every single day. Dude, there's so much there, Cody, because my dad used to preach this to me when I was a kid. He was like, if you don't celebrate the wins, they're going to stop coming. There's just something to the universe. So you have to take that moment to take it in, recognize what you've done. Thank you for saying to make those adjustments without judgment. Dela and I talk about it like we're watching film. And so Dela wasn't really big into sports. I'm a huge basketball guy, big Lakers fan. So they, they won that again. And so we talk about it as like watching film. And when you're a, uh, a ball player and you're watching film, it's not like, let me get mad at you. It's like, okay, what did you do in this game? Let's reflect on it. Okay, these things could be a little bit better. Now let's work on it. And then we'll do this whole process again. Like I'm sure you're a John Wooden guy as far as like looking into coaching and how we can tease those things out, but still stay in the present and like do so without judgment. Um, something else that I loved that you mentioned in your podcast was that you rate yourself in the morning. And, and um, I got this from you because I was listening to it in a podcast and you said you got it from Rob Dyrdek. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Fun, fun uh, aside. I know the guy who did Rob's fantasy factory, all of the artwork inside and he was a big oh, really? skater grown up. Yeah. Charlie Edmiston, shout out to him. So I, um, I had, dude, I had a dream that, so I'm going to say this quietly because I don't want him to hear me, but our neighbor, not a big fan of him. Um, he is, uh, I mean, he's just, dude, he's just on the phone constantly yelling at people. It's so, like, it just blows my mind. I'm like, man, I, you seem so angry, but I had this dream that he left and I bought his unit and I knocked down a door, like a big door. And I turned it into like part podcast studio and part skate park. And it was like the fantasy factory. And I had this crazy dream that like we were in the office working and Travis was like filming me and we had, the, we were working. And then I like got a, went into the gym like did some bench, jumped on my skateboard, hopped through the door, started skating. And then I sat down on the couch and put my headphones on to podcast. Almost like a little commercial. And I woke up and I told Shannon about it. And she was just like, you're insane. And I was like, <laughs> if I don't put this out into the universe, you never know. You know what I mean? It won't happen. But um, huge fan of him in general. I think he, if you, if you, I highly recommend everybody go on to iTunes or even just Google and search Rob Deerdick podcast or like go on iTunes podcast and search Rob Deerdick. Listening to his interviews is one of the most inspiring things ever because he's such a creative person and he's defied all odds that were put up against him and just 
he, he created success in areas of life that was impossible for a skateboarder before him. And, uh, and he's so fucking positive. But one of the things he said was that every single morning and night he rakes himself. How motivated is he? How healthy does he feel? How confident is he? How clear is his mind? And then he does it again at night with like, um, did you win the day? Did the day go as planned? Um, so I have something similar. Um, like, so the thing I do at night is basically really simple. It's like my mood. And then ultimately is like, uh, what is it? It's a basically like agenda to reality. So based on what I set for myself today on a scale of one to 10, like what was my accomplish rate of the day based on what I predicted, right? So my prediction to reality, um, one out of 10 and in the morning, it's, it's mood, motivation, stuff like that. Um, which I even have some of my clients do that are doing nutrition because I want to know what's going on in their head. Well, and that's when I started doing it too. I was coaching with Jordan, our mutual friend, and I heard it on your podcast. I was like, oh man, that's a great idea. Like, let me rate myself in the morning. This process, Cody, how long does it take you approximately in the morning and the evening? I mean, it's, dude, it's so quick. Yeah, and I think that's where people are like, oh, I don't have time to do all this journaling and stuff. I'm like, I spend like two minutes journaling. You know what I mean? Like maybe five if I really get into like writing out detail. Uh, and, and, I, and I list my, like, so in the morning, like one thing that takes me the longest is I list out my entire day hour by hour like exactly what I'm doing. Even though I have my Google calendar, I like to write it and visualize what am I doing today? How am I going to perform today? Um, that takes me longer, but ranking myself, it's like literally scale one to five. How the fuck do you feel? <laughs> Give me right. three rankings. You know, it's so simple. Um, but if you're somebody who does this and you notice like, man, like my mood is like a three out of five every day. My energy is a two out of five. My stress is a four out of five something's going on, you know, and you, and you won't know unless you know, like, so I always say awareness precedes change. So although you know, you might not be at the result you want to achieve, you have to make these rankings every single day for you to see the numbers and go, I need to improve. I'm aware now I need to improve. Right. I really appreciate it. And that's why I asked you that question. Like, how long does it take? Because we recommend these for our clients. And a lot of times like, Oh, man, I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. It's like, it really doesn't take all that long. It's like, tracking one's macros. Sometimes people will tell me clients will be like, Oh, I don't have enough time, bro, to track these macros. I'm like, what are you doing when you're shitting? Like when you're sitting yeah. on the toilet, like you can <laughs> totally throw in and they're like, Oh my God, my mind's blown. But the reason why Cody is going in on journaling is it provides a sort of 30,000 foot view. So we are all in our heads and we're all going through the shit day to day. And it's really hard sometimes to see the forest for the trees. And so if you don't have a therapist, if you don't have a significant other that is going to be super honest with you, because that's what Dayla and I do. Like, I don't do a ton of journaling, but we keep each other accountable. Like, hey, I'm noticing this. Like, can you fix this? Or like, hey, I'm going to help you with this. I realize this is a challenge. If you don't have that person in your life, journaling is a way to do it on your own. I want to move into the next rule, which is uh, do the right thing. And that one seems pretty self-explanatory, but um, you know, you'd mentioned in the podcast, Cody, about asking yourself if this is the right thing. And so many people... When we think about that concept, it seems really simple on the surface, but we are so reactive as people and we're not responsive, right? 100%. Um, the way I kind of like to look at this one and honestly, the one like kind of the topic that we were just talking about, like that 30,000 foot view is I imagine myself or somebody I, I really look up to, somebody I, I truly do not want to let down, just like floating over me as almost like the ghost of Christmas past, right? following me around and they see every action I make. They see everything I do all fucking day. Would I be proud of what that thing, person, floating object saw or not? Period. You know, so, so for me, it's like kind of like the, the somebody's always watching concept, even though like who knows. But I think that when you do that, you just consistently do the right thing. I mean, there's so many situations in life that you have to look at in multiple areas. It's like, number one, is this the right thing for the person that I'm affecting? Is this going to positively impact them or is this going to positively impact, impact me, but negatively impact somebody else, right? Like what is the actual right? There's always a right or wrong, right? There's always a way to respond versus react. Um, there's always a better way. So just stopping and being conscious and going, is this the right thing? And then the other aspect of that, and this kind of relates to one of the ones that we're going to talk about later. So I won't, won't dig into it too deep is like, is this the right thing for my future? Like it, there's a trickle effect, right? So if I'm doing this right now, how is that going to impact me down the road? Is that going to help me get closer to who I want to become, where I want to be, or is that going to take me further away from it? Um, and I think not enough people stop to think about those kind of things. And they have those consequences later in life where they're not where they want to be. And it's because of this like series of actions they've taken over the years of things that weren't positively impacting them, if that makes sense. 
Oh, hundred percent. I think I may have gotten this from you, but the saying, if you're going to half-ass it now, you're going to feel it later. And it's taking that ownership of doing the right thing, quote unquote, now. So then that trickle effect, like I call it the tail. And I've helped people with this, including my dad with certain challenges or conflict. It's like, well, how long do you want the tail to be? And if you do the right thing up front, that tail gets really short versus like bleeding it out, trying to, to, oh, you know, not own up to whatever it is. Now that tail is going to be a week, two weeks. Now you're getting on calls. Things are uncomfortable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's a huge one. Uh, you'd also mentioned, you know, people watching. I think social media, you know, social media, like that's now the person watching. I know we were kind of alluding to like a, a greater being, a God, universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it. But it was something profound when I was swimming at the University of Georgia. It was like I got to Georgia and it was the second or third year of Facebook. It was like brand new. And the coach, Jack Bowerly, who's been perennial Olympic swim coach, he's won national championships. He brings all the guys into a room and he has like a folder stack and he'd printed out all these pictures from everyone's Facebook. And he's just, he's a really gravelly boy. So he's like, I can't believe this bullshit. It's disgusting. Da, da, da. But one thing he said to me or to everybody was, this isn't going to go away. Like this is the new TV, this is the new radio, like this is gonna stay. And so what do you wanna be proud of? Because whatever you do now as an 18, 19, 20 year old, that's not gonna go away. So you better, you know, quote unquote, do the right thing now or else this is gonna stick. And you know, what do you want that to look like? You'd mentioned this aligns with another one, another one of your rules. Uh, which one were you thinking about? Uh, asking yourself why. So yeah, we can go ahead and jump to that. We're skipping over one, but doing the right thing and now asking yourself why they do go together. Yeah. So like that, that last point of like, is this going to affect me down the road? It's like, okay, why am I doing this? What's the greater purpose? Right? So I think this kind of goes back to being responsive versus reactive or reactive versus proactive. You know, there's a lot of people who just go through life. They respond very quickly and they just do whatever they think at the moment. They don't think methodically about the actions they're going to take. So I've always kind of not I wouldn't say always but since I became an entrepreneur I really started kind of slowing down and trying to be more methodical about every conversation I have every email I send every caption I write every podcast I record my message as a whole the way I treat people like everything is done with reason because I know why I'm doing it because I slow down and I ask myself that before I do things and I think and and we're all guilty of it I'm guilty of of being reactive at times especially when you get worked up about something but in general, I try to be a very proactive and responsive person versus reactive. And I think that's ultimately what, what it comes down to. Um, and then the other side of it is, is really just knowledge, right? Like if, if a client doesn't ask me why I'm making adjust, an adjustment, I'm, I ask them like, do you want to know why? Cause like, I want you to ask, cause you, you should learn this shit because guess what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to train you for the rest of your life. Like there's going to be a point in time where you are not working with me. So you need to know what we're doing. And I think that you know, in mentorship and business coaching and in, in nutrition coaching and training, like in every aspect of life, there's always kind of going back to the, the hero's journey, you know, there's always an Obi-Wan to the Luke Skywalker and like at a certain point, Luke becomes the master, you know, and like you have to be ready for that point where you can become Obi-Wan and teach somebody else and pay it forward. Um, even though I'd argue you probably always have an Obi-Wan, it's just that Obi-Wan kind of changes right. over time. But, um, but point being is like, if I'm asking why, that's how I surpass that Obi-Wan and find the next Obi-Wan. For right. any Star Wars to... people who aren't Star Wars fan, they might have no idea what I'm talking about. But <laughs> Sidebar, how have we not brought up Seinfeld yet? Like, I know. I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is no hero's journey there outside There's of... not. Uh, yeah, I don't know who would be the guide in that regard. But um, I know you're a big Seinfeld fan. We've run through that several times. Um, but yeah, asking yourself why, it's taking that time, and this is kind of along the theme Cody was just talking about, taking the time to journal and be aware of who you are and your motivations, asking yourself why is going to clarify a lot in one's life. So for instance, we still do the same thing. Like on this podcast, unbeknownst to you, dear listener, we had to pause for a moment because Kobe, our new puppy, was screaming in the other room and I had to figure out what was going on. The reason why we were able to do that was because we hired a guy to edit this and outsource it. Jordan hooked me up with his guy, Kyle, shout out to Kyle. And I know you're listening right now, but when we decided to do that, Dayla and I went on a walk, you know, got out in nature, kind of cleared our heads. And we were like, what's the point? Like, what is the goal? Why are we doing this? Cause up until that point for 20 some odd episodes, I had been editing everything and I had been uploading everything, doing that. So it was like, well, if we're going to outsource this, what's our why? And it really made shots to the dome way more targeted. And it was like, okay, if we're going to do this, it's to 
reach people and educate them on another platform. Cause we know on, you know, very similar to you, Cody, you're giving a lot of information away for free on Instagram and not everyone's on IG. So you move to email, you get your email list and now you meet people there. Facebook, meet people there. Podcast, meet people there. YouTube, meet people there. And if we hadn't done that and asked ourselves why, we wouldn't be where we are right now. I wouldn't be on with Cody and I wouldn't have been able to be like, Hey bro, can you hold on a sec? My, my puppy's going nuts. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I think actually like that delegation is, is somewhat of a, an accountability. You know, when you invest in something like that and you delegate things out, it creates a sense of accountability and urgency to make things better and give it reason. Like you said, like it, it makes you ask yourself why. Totally. And that also aligns with, uh, I guess, sort of the fifth, but we're going to go sixth rule for life is to trust your gut, follow your heart. And I think that aligns with doing the right thing, asking yourself why. We have a lot of experiences in our life that I want to share, but I wanted to ask you first, like, what are some moments where that really sort of cemented itself in your brain? I think the biggest thing was getting into the fitness career, man. Um, so this is something my dad always said to me growing up, and I always thought it was really cheesy. Like, I kind of made fun of him because I was like... Like you saw that on a movie or something, get the fuck out of here. Like, but once I got into college and I, so basically to make a long story short, I was in college and I decided that I was going to get in shape. Right. So not immediately, but I ended up losing 50 pounds during this, this process. And what I did was I, I basically started training and I skipped class to go and visit one of the training classes. It was called uh, functional movement. And it was like, they were going through like screening people's movement patterns and a quadruped position and so on and so forth. And it was just like, man, I just been reading bodybuilding magazines. This is so fucking cool. This is on another level. And so I came home and I was like, Hey, I want to change my degree. I want to become a personal trainer. And rightfully so my dad's like, what are you talking about? Like, he didn't tell me I'm overweight, but I was still overweight. And he's like, you've been training in the gym for like three weeks. Like what? And, and it was basically like, I didn't throw this in his face, but I was almost like trusting my gut and following my heart, dad, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I didn't. So I just went to school and forged his signature because him and I have the same signature, except his is VJ and mine's CJ. Uh, so I, I forged his signature, changed my degree, told him months later on that I had changed my degree. Um, cause at some point I had to let him know. But at that point he was like, okay. Cause I mean, he saw the weight fall off. He saw how obsessed I was. He saw that I stopped partying so much. And I started doing other things in my life. Um, and that was the biggest time because I had really no prior experience. I had no capabilities physically. I, I just wasn't the person that would be a successful trainer. Like it's just, let alone like a successful trainers, like debatable, like how many trainers make good money, you know, um, especially back then. And that was the argument for my parents. But at, at the time I was just like, I just have to do this, man. Like, I just, I don't know why, like I have to do this. Um, which in, in this kind of goes back to that higher power. Like, uh, I actually had a, I had lunch with a pastor one time. It was really cool. Like my uh, grandma's pastor. I was like, I want to pick his brain and just ask him questions. And so he had lunch with me. He brought his son who had just got out of jail. Um, and he basically like rebelled, went to prison, like, found God, came back. So it was really cool seeing both perspectives and hearing their stories and stuff. And he was like, have you ever had like this gut feeling that you just, like you can't ignore and you have to take action on? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he was like, that's the higher power. And I was like, whoa, like that's really deep and trippy and, and probably very true. And it's your conscious, right? And it's, it's, it's right. this weird thing you can't shake. Like I just have to fucking do it. Um, and that was probably the most profound uh, area of my life. And, and I would say that the second one was, I was in a very comfy position. I was the head coach. I was working with a ton of people. It was the best gym in the state. Like, um, the, the name was very well known. Like anybody in their right mind would have just stayed there because you had security, but I had this gut feeling like I was going to have a daughter in nine months. Cause we just found out Shannon was pregnant and I was like, I got to make my move now. And I gave up a hundred percent of my clients, all my money, paycheck, everything to pursue this, what this is now. And that was another one of those scenarios. I was like, this scares the shit out of me, but I got to do it. Like, I just have to do it. Yeah. Well, and when one follows their gut, then they're not, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not vindictive as they get later in life mm -hmm. because we work with, and Dela has a business coaching company with our friend, Chad Molyneux. And I'll sometimes work with those coaches who are going through the course to become coaches in a mindset training or a life coaching scenario. And they'll oftentimes come in and be like, hey, my parents say this is a horrible idea. Trainers don't make enough money. Uh, my colleagues are making fun of me for bringing in meal prep uh, and saying that this isn't ever going to work. 
you know, what, what's the, what's the deal here? And I'm like, well, you know, inside of yourself. And I would argue, you know, it's funny because on different psychedelic trips at one point I was like, Oh my God, this is God. And then another one where I was like, this might just be my subconscious or my like higher self sort of like guiding me. Yeah. But I'll talk to these clients and ask them, well, you feel strongly that this is what you're supposed to do. Right. Right. Okay. Well, the people, you know, maybe even your parents and the people in your family and the people you work with had the same feeling and they ignored it when they were younger and they didn't take that risk and they didn't jump. And so now they're, uh, they have sour grapes and they're going to try to tear down anyone who does it because it's going to prove their reality and what they think is true. Like, oh yeah, no one can make it. I didn't make it. You're not going to make it versus continuing to push through. And that's where I love your story, Cody, of doing this, even as you have a, a baby on the way, as you, you have a budding family. Like I was actually talking with a life coaching client yesterday about this very thing. And I was like, they were like, Oh, I have two kids. I don't know if I can make this jump. I want to have a good life for them. I was like, my dad did that so many times. And he sat down with me as the only child. We'd sit as a family. I'm seven, eight. Literally, he was like, I was going to a private Christian school. And he was, they were like, it's X number of dollars as a seven-year-old to keep you here. Or, you know, your our tax dollars is going to be free over here. Like, what do you want to do? And as a seven-year-old, I was like, well, if my parents aren't paying X number of dollars per year, that probably helps us out as a family. And like, it's, it's all school and like, I'll make friends. So like, sure guys, I'll go to the public school and make it work. But he had those conversations with me along the way. And there were some times where my mom was like, Hey, money's kind of tight, Sean, you can't do X, Y, Z. And there were other times where it's like, my dad fucking did it. And, and it proved, it proved, you know, really well. And our lives changed. And that's following your gut. Dayla and I do the same thing. We've learned over time that if we don't follow our gut, bad things happen. If we have that constriction in our chest of like, oh, I don't know, and we do it, we have to pay for it later. And it's sort of like that tale we were talking about. Erin Diamond is another big fan. Like uh, when she was on Shots of the Dome, she said that she always leads with her gut. And Jordan will be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's illogical. You're not doing X, Y, Z. And Aaron's like, well, it hasn't sort of led me wrong yet. So I think that's a, a hugely important one. And it does align with some of the others on here. Yeah. Uh, one thing like I, I just want to add to that at the very end is that I always say is, um, I mean, I say risk over regret, but essentially all I'm trying to say is that like, and I've actually thought about getting that as a tattoo, like risk with the greater than symbol um, and then regret. And, and there's comes points in time when you have to make a gut decision. It's usually like, okay, I am not going to make this decision and I will forever regret it. Or I am going to take this, make this decision and I'm going to make a big risk, take a big risk. Right. And I think, the risk always pays off. Either you succeed or at least you don't live with that regret. And I took that from Gary Vee. He has this thing where you would go see like old people in a retirement home. And he said the most common word he heard was regret, like all the things they regret doing. And when I heard him talk about that, it just clicked. And I was like, I can't, I don't want to regret anything. So no matter what I got to do, I'm going to take action on it. That was the impetus for DLG Nation for real. Cause um, we both left jobs that we were doing, as you know, but it was sitting down and putting it out on paper and being like, if we don't do this, like there's no guarantee, but if we don't do this, we're going to kick ourselves for the rest of our lives. We're going to wonder what if, if we do this and it fails and it falls flat, like, Hey, we tried, we had some fun. And now we'll go back to our normal lives. We'll ask for our jobs back. But if this really succeeds, then, you know, Hey, we did it. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, last, last rule. And, and this is, you know, you, what's funny, Cody is like all of these rules sort of like intertwine and they, they all go together. Did you know that as you were putting them together? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the last one is have a priority list. Um, you'd mentioned sort of like an order of operations and it was, this is an example of, of having a priority list in practice. We were talking about scheduling this podcast and like, I, I did not take it personally at all when I was working with Tori and she was like, Hey, we're going to have to do this in October. Like here's a couple of dates. And I think it was like August. And I was like, yeah, of course, like your clients. I was like, I know Cody's busy. It's, it's all good. And the way you talked about it on your show was if, you're, you have to take care of yourself, you take care of your family, you have to take care of your team. And then from there on, you'll say yes to any podcast, you'll do it. But like those people are going to have to wait. Um, did you get that from reading or it sounds like you're really close with your dad? Or was it just something that you figured out as you were working? I, I, you know, I, I think I have heard people, whether it's reading or just mentors, I've heard say this, like say similar things. But I, I, I kind of ran into this pattern where I was saying yes so much that the things that I already had prior commitments to started falling off. Um, so I was letting people down, whether that was, you know, not seeing my family as much, not seeing my friends as much, not being present at home or coming home stressed all the time or um, trying to cram things in. And then I was like late for every call that I had to get on because everything was just falling behind. Um, and it, it just took me going, OK, like 
And I actually like literally it started on this whiteboard. I wrote out this big list. I was like, what are my priorities? It was like family was first and then it was team. And then it was personal clients. Then it was like membership clients, which is like our low end thing. Then it was followers, listeners, like all my stuff. And then it was everything else. So if like somebody asked me to do a podcast, it's like, first and foremost, yes, hundred percent. I don't care if you've aired one episode or a thousand. Yes, I'll do it all the time. But I still have all this shit to do this week and next week and the week after and the week after. So this will go after that, you know? So one of the things we did was like, we agreed that I would do two interviews per week, no more. And it would be one interview for somebody else's podcast, one interview for my podcast. Um, and we have a sk- podcast scheduled for my podcast always. And at a certain point now I'm, I'm doing a podcast for somebody else's show basically every week, which is awesome. I love doing it. But I, at one point I was just like, Oh, I want to get my name out there. Yep. 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 So then I was, I, there was one week where I literally did like seven podcasts in a week between like my interviews and my solos and there's, and I literally was like, Holy shit, I can't do that. And yeah. it kind of goes back to that, like fast response time. I've never had anybody say, Oh, well fuck that. I don't want to have you on. Cause you got to make me wait a month or two. Everybody's like, okay, cool. That's fine. Like <laughs> I'm not quitting the podcasting game anytime soon. So as long as you come on, I don't give a shit. Um, and it's, and it's always worked out. So I think at the end of the day, it just allows me to make sure my prior commitments stay true, you know, and, and, and it, it took me letting some of those things down or failing some of those things to realize that I was overbooking myself. Um, I mean, and you know, this as an entrepreneur, you kind of want to do everything. So like, it, it took me a long time to like every aspect I've delegated, it took me a long time to delegate because I was like fighting tooth and nail to be like, no, like I can do that still. Like I'm the best at it. But eventually you just have to hand shit off. So you have time to create clarity and space. And, you know, there's, there's a really good book called Rocket Fuel and it kind of talks about um, visionaries and integrators. And I'm a visionary. So like I'm in this position with the company that I see the big picture. I see visions. I have the imagination, the creativity to create what we are going to do next. And I have a bunch of implementers and technicians and managers beneath me to help me move forward. I can't do it without them, but it's my job to vision, visualize. And you can't do that without time, space, and clarity, right? And going back to like waking up first, that's half the reason. Um, It's also why every day on my schedule from 6am till 10am, it says deep work. And Tori knows not to schedule anything in those hours because I'm doing deep work, you know, whether right. it's like uh, working on all the back end stuff or the marketing or a presentation or uh, team building, um, or I'm fucking playing guitar because I'm trying to learn that, you know, it's, it's, it's deep work. So um, yeah, it just came down to, to time blocking, prioritizing and, and trying to not let things fall apart or, or let people down. Right. Have you heard of Derek Sievers? Does that name ring a bell? Uh, no, it doesn't. So I heard him years ago on a Tim Ferriss podcast. It was shot in the dark. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but his thing and Dayla and I have picked up on this. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Because yeah, we would say yes to a bajillion things and like you want to do it. And I think there is a bit of FOMO that plays a role. Like you want to be there. You want to be a part of it. And as one gains traction in what they do, like you were saying, now people want more of your time. They want more of you. It's like, hey, can I do this? And, and you want to. So you say, you say yes to everything, but then it starts pulling you away from your main thing or like your main purpose or the impact that you want to make. And it's, it's been such a divining rod, man, for us, which is it, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, I think that's a really good point. I think there's also something to say about like, like something you want to do and something you like, quote unquote, should do. Right. So if it's a should, it's either a no or it is something that like it just has to fall way behind everything else, you know, because and, and I'll be honest, like even uh, to promote what we do, it's important for me to do things like this. So this is actually high up on my priority list. It's just that. So it's not like uh, I should do it. It's like I want to fucking do this. It's just that I have to do it in an organized manner. But there's certain things where I've been asked to like speak and like I'm like, oh, I should do that because. I don't, I don't want to let that person down or like they really want me to come or like I should get better at speaking, but it fucks with everything else I'm doing. So I'm like, you know what? Like I can't do that right now. It's not a good time. You know? And I think being okay saying no is actually a really big step in the right direction for success. Right. And it's totally a muscle, at least in our experience that you have to flex from time to time, which is saying no and knowing and, and realizing and experiencing that the world isn't going to end. That, yeah. like you said, your clients aren't going to be like, fuck you. Your family's not going to say, fuck you. They'll, they'll understand, you know, with Dale and my family, we're here in Austin. And so we do see them a lot, but they know we're busy and they're, they're always really accommodating if we're like, yo, like 
we're just not able to make it. Like, what about this date? And that to me also is the sign of good people, like good friends that you want to work with. They get it. They understand. Like I knew when you were like, yo, we got to schedule when Tori was like, we got to schedule this out. I'm like, yeah, I, I totally get it. So that's Cody's rules for life. Seven rules for life. Hopefully you guys were taking notes. Do you, do you have a couple minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Have you uh, read the script for the 9-11 Seinfeld episode? I haven't. No, I haven't Ooh, I got to send this to you. Yeah, send it to me. <laughs> um, it's exactly what you'd imagine, but it's like 9-11 if they still had the show. And um, George gets seen as a potential uh, helper, somebody like a hero, and he didn't do anything. And of course, he says he did it all. <sighs> and they, it, Yeah. And then uh, Kramer is trying to find uh, a guy named Mo Otta that he gave a box cutter to, and he like can't find the box cutter. And so, um, oh, that's hilarious. yeah, definitely got to check that out. Do you have like a favorite episode or season? Oh yeah. Uh, man hands is my favorite episode, man. <laughs> I, and I've, I've watched through the, the, I've watched it through every season at least two or three times. Um, I can't get over that episode, man. It cracks me up every time, especially cause it's so obvious dude. they just zoom in on her hands every time. And it's just, it's hilarious. I love that episode, <laughs> but you should, you yeah. should watch. Um, I can't remember that. It's Ben Stiller's dad. I can't remember his first name, but he's, george's dad in the tv show and he recently passed away and i saw this like they did like some like montage memorial things and he was talking about how his create his character got created and it was really really interesting so basically originally he was supposed to be like a very timid husband and she was the angry one and so he was just like whipped and would just do whatever she said and he went off script one day and yelled back at her and nobody was ready for it and he started just screaming at her and they kept the scene and changed his character because it worked so well with both of them being batshit crazy screaming at each other. And I just thought like, man, if that guy was like a timid husband that just got walked all over, it would be so much different. Like the, his character is so perfect in right. that show. Um, but it's hilarious. I, I started watching a bunch of videos of that guy as soon as he passed away. because was so yeah. sad. No, you're totally right, Cody. It wouldn't have worked if he had been timid. And it also makes George's experience seem yeah. a little bit more like, oh, this is what made this guy. His parents are kind of cuckoo. But yeah, Jerry Stiller, he's a comedic legend, has been around forever. Um, well, hey, man, I don't want to keep you forever. Uh, I really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely, man. This has been a blast. Uh, real quick, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so everything is uh, tailoredcoachingmethod.com. Uh, like literally all of our free content and coaching and all that stuff's there. Um, my podcast is Boom Boom Performance Podcast. That's probably the most frequent in-depth content I put out um, kind of across a lot of different areas. You've been, you and Dale were interviewed on it um, as well. And, uh, and Instagram is at Cody.BoomBoom. I post uh, pretty much every day. We're going to be posting all of that in the show notes as well. Um, also, I highly recommend that you listen to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. It's been a big part of my life for a very long time. Y'all have hundreds of episodes Cody goes into not only having people like myself and Dela on the show, but he also has one-off episodes like the seven rules for life. So Cody, I really appreciate it again. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of Shots to the Dome. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up, or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.